Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Awesome. Welcome to New City Church. Uh, I'm going to pick up this morning where I left off last week. Uh, if you were here, I used this umbrella. And uh, man, please don't make me disappointed when I ask you what this represented, all right? So if you were here last week, I worked so hard on last week's message. So those of you who were here, all right, what did the umbrella, umbrella, umbrella represent? God, but God's specific what? His grace, His covering. What was the word? It's a Hebrew word, shalom. Thank you. Somebody, I don't know who said that, but you get a gold star. Good job. Good job. So this umbrella last week represented God's shalom, and I had someone come up that represented, could represent God. We a lot of times think God has been an old person, so I had Charlie Blair, one of our elders, come up. And uh, Charlie held the umbrella. And, um, and I talked about that in the Old Testament, there was this Hebrew word called shalom. In the New Testament, Jesus used the word kingdom, and when Paul starts writing, Paul used the word saved or salvation. And now each three, shalom, kingdom, and saved, all have the same biblical meaning, and that is uh, God's perfect peace. That if you were under the shalom, if you were living or being prepared for the kingdom, or if you were saved, it was this idea of God's perfect peace and how God is the shalom, He is the kingdom, He is the salvation. And when we stay under His protection, His grace, His covering, we receive the same thing. Oftentimes what happens is, right, it's over here and we're over here and we see it and we want it, but we don't want to snuggle up next to God to get under it, right? And I said that kingdom could be represented in three ways. God's shalom, his salvation could be represented in three things. What was one of those three? Prosperity, Prosperity was one. What's another one? Integrity, third one? Man, I'm so proud that the first three rows listened last week. It's awesome. <laughs> Super encouraging, right? So prosperity, integrity, and justice. And, and I talked about how each of those three things are fully present in the city of God. You know, Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, he says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Like the, the, what we do down here is the same up there. Like some of us, when we get to heaven, we're going to be completely surprised by the behavior of the saints. Oh, you guys do that here? Yeah, so we practice now on earth what we expect to experience fully in heaven. For example, does anyone here expect there to be poverty in the city of God? Not at all, right? Does anybody in here expect there to be lack of justice in the city of God? Or integrity, full integrity. So we start living that here. So we said this thing, for example, talking about integrity. How we struggle being a people of integrity that we're always the same, always and forever. And what I have found in my life is that when I'm outside of God's shalom and I'm trying to please everyone in the world which I know, and I'm trying to be all things to all people so that everyone will like me, what happens is I begin being a lot more loyal to you than I am to God. If you're going to be a person of integrity, I hate to break this to you, but there's going to be some people that don't like who you are. They're not going to like what you stand for. And you're going to be tempted to do what they want you to do so they will like you. But what I have found is when we snuggle up to God and we can trust Him, right, and we can be under His provision and His shalom and develop this relationship, then we have the courage to be who we are all the times and always, even if that means that you don't like who I am. Talked about justice and how we have a heart and a desire. We want that heart or a desire to stand up for the least of these, to, to be able to stand up. Like if you see somebody at work being taken advantage of, and you're really the only one that cares for this person because they're not well-liked, but they're still being taken advantage of, how do you have the courage at the workplace, the family, or the classroom to stand up for them and say, listen, I, they're not being treated fairly. They're not being treated right. Well, out from God's shalom, man, if I do that, then I, all these people, are, now I'm with this guy that everybody doesn't like. But when I find my courage 
and my protection with God, I can stand for the least of these. And in prosperity, I'm just telling you, if, you're, if you don't trust God in view that God has given you everything you have, that he gives to you so that you can be a blessing to others, you'll really struggle with generosity because if you give to others, then you won't have for yourself. And so you have to really protect your belongings. You have to protect your resources. You've got to keep a close eye on all those dead presidents in your bank account. But when you understand that under God's shalom, that he will never let you outgive him, that he will resource those who are blessings to others, right? We begin to find freedom in our generosity. Last week, we did something that was quite unique, and that is that we gave away, you may not know this, but we gave away 100% of our offering last week. Not a dime did we keep for the ministry of New City Church. We gave all of it away to our ministry partners. And if you didn't get the email or if you didn't read it, that total that we gave away was quite significant from my perspective. Last week, uh, through your tithes and offerings, we gave away $16,523.12. That's pretty awesome, right? Just gave it away. That's pretty, I mean, right? That's a, that's a lot of money, right? That's like a small car, right? It's not an Escalade, right? But it's a, it's a small car, right? It's a good use car, right? Really good use car. But, um, but we're going to continue that thought of being under God's shalom in this new series called The Rest of God. And I want to start us today by doing a pop quiz. And the reason I want to do a pop quiz is because many of you think church is supposed to be miserable, so I'm going to keep meeting your expectations, okay? <laughs> so let's start with a pop quiz. Here we go. I'm going to give you 45 seconds. Our DJ in the back is going to give us some music. And uh, here is the question. You don't have to go on order, but if you can, good for you. 45 seconds. Give me, going to need your insert. I gave you 10 blanks. 45 seconds, give me God's top 10, God's 10 commandments. Go. That's not your fault. See, long ago, I made up my mind. No cheating. This is not an open book exam, all right? No Bible. Now I see. 20 more seconds. Ten seconds. And pins down. All right. Now, um, so even if you don't know any of the Ten Commandments, I, I would say that most people in America have at least heard of the Ten Commandments, right? You may not know what the ten are, but you've heard that phrase. If nothing else, in some kind of political debate or political argument on whether or not they should be at a courthouse. or I mean, you've, you've heard Ten Commandments. Um, the, there was a guy in the previous service at 930 who said, Man, your message was on point because the, I got nine. And the one that I forgot was exactly what you talked about today, all right? So let me give you the 10, all right? Let's see how well you did on this pop quiz. I'll, I will go in order. Number one, God says that there will be no other gods before me. So that'll do, all right? Number two is no graven image or don't worship idols. Number three, do not take the Lord your God's name in vain, all right? Number four, obey the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Number five, uh, honor your mommy and your daddy, all right? Uh, number six, do not murder. Number seven, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Number nine, do not lie, which means on this test. And number 10, do not covet, 
do not covet. All right, those are the Ten Commandments. Keep those close by. We're going to refer to those in a little bit. Um, but a lot of times uh, we, we kind of know nine of them or roughly nine, but it's number four that we often forget. We often forget that number four made God's top ten, which is to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. Um, Sabbath is probably a foreign thought or a foreign word to many of us. Never in my growing up in church, never in my being adult in church, uh, never at New City have I given a message, have I learned in my, from my previous days as a young guy to being a pastor of a church, have I ever heard or talked about the idea of the Sabbath. It's, a, it's, it's not even really a concept that most uh, Americans, North Americans, that we, that we even step into because our, like we struggle with not being busy, right? We've all had that time when somebody calls you while you've been sleeping and you've acted like, a, you've acted like you're awake. You've all, we've all done it, right? Even if they call you at 4 a.m. Oh, did I wake you? Oh, no, no, I'll get up at 4 a.m. every day. It's when I start. I work, right? I'm about to go to the gym. Or something, right? We just lie, right? We just we break, we lie, we break number nine right away, right? But we, some of us, uh, we 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 kind of talk about how we haven't had a vacation in years. We 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 talk about how many hours we put in, and it's like this thing that we take a lot of pride in. And the idea that we need a break or that we should take a day off is just no. That's that's not no no. You need that, not me. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna accomplish. I'm going to accomplish this. I learned about uh, my Sabbath journey started two years ago. So this message that I'm giving uh, you, uh, really, we're going to unpack it. I'm not going to solve all the world's problems this morning. We're going to talk about this over the next several weeks. But my journey on Sabbath started two years ago. And I say a journey because it's one that we've been, me and my family have been walking out for quite some time. Uh, It started, I was at Wheaton College in Illinois uh, working on my graduate work. And um, there was one class that was focused on church planning. I'm a church planner. Church planning simply means that there was a time when something didn't exist. And so uh, in the early days, you know, uh, it was just first me, Jen, and the girls. Luke hadn't even arrived on the scene yet in Kansas City. Only knew one other family and didn't know them all that well. And we, what you guys come in and experience today didn't yet exist. And it was just a lot of prayer and dreaming and hoping that this would one day happen. Uh, that's what a church plan is. And I was in a class on church planning, and um, the, the, the professor had brought in a bunch of different successful, quote-unquote, successful church planners throughout the week. They didn't work at the same place. They didn't really know each other. They came in at different times, and we were able to ask them questions. And the question that I asked each time was, what would you attribute to kind of you not going crazy or being defeated or discouraged during this really busy season of planning a church? And the most consistent answer that I got back, not all of them said it, but the majority of them said they honored, they remembered, they were faithful to the Sabbath or to a Sabbath. And that was, I mean, I was working eight days a week, right? Like I never turned my brain off. You know, I was always go, go, go. I'm a pretty driven guy for those of you who know me. And I, you know, I have a hard time sitting still. I like to be accomplishing things. And so um, that was like, what? But I listened. And I'm like, these guys are doing well, and I like to win. And so uh, I just, when I got home, I began to really kind of research and understand what Sabbath was. And when I first dropped it on my wife, Jen, hey, that we're going to take Saturday and we're going to not work, she's like, you've lost your mind, right? Because my wife is more of a kind of the responsibility doer than I am. And it's been a long journey. I expect the same thing for you. I don't expect you to have everything figured out by Saturday But I am going to encourage you to take a step, and um, I want to kind of get you thinking this way. How many of you guys are, uh, there's a big game today, you guys are not Super Bowl, how many of you guys are pulling for the Patriots? Not really excited, okay, Falcons? Or actually, I probably should ask this, who's pulling against the Patriots? (laughs) 
So I'm not going to go out and I'm, I'm pulling for the Patriots. I am. Uh, but, I, but it doesn't matter why. But like, I'm not going to go out and buy a Patriot shirt. I'm sticking loyal to my team because I, I ain't giving more money to the NFL, right? They get all the money they got from me when I bought this $30 shirt, right? <laughs> so anyway, um, but he, here's the thing. Where, how many of you are planning on watching the game? Watching it. So pray for us. We'll be here at 5 o'clock tonight being real spiritual, having our 5 o'clock service, right? It might just be me and Jesus but and Curtis, but we're going to do this thing. But um, how many of you guys aren't going to watch the service? I mean, you're not going to watch uh, the game. You could care less, right? So now here's the truth. Whether you um, are going to watch the game or you're not going to watch the game, the game's going to take place at 530 today whether you acknowledge it or not. Whether it's on your TV or not, like if you're going to watch it and right before 5.30 hits, your TV falls off your TV tray and smashes and crashes to the ground. And you're like, Roger Goodell, the commissioner, is not going to hit pause on the game until you get to Walmart to get your new TV. And, or until Amazon drones you one in. It ain't going to wait, right? The game is going at 5.30, whether we acknowledge it or not. The exact same thing is true when it comes to the Sabbath. Whether you acknowledge Sabbath or not, it is something that God has set up that takes place every Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown. Whether you are aware of it, whether you are aware and ignore it, or you're like, wow, this is completely new. Like it's going to happen Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown is God's Sabbath. And I'm going to kind of, if you will allow me, I'm going to take you maybe in a little bit of a Bible study this morning as we begin to unpack. I'm going to title this morning as The Priority of Sabbath, the priority of Sabbath. And I want to show you how important it was to God. And then in the coming weeks, we're going to kind of add different layers to it. And so I want us to begin in the very first book of your Bible, our Bible. It's called the book of Genesis. It's the easiest one to find, right? Just open your Bible. There it is. And I want you to look in chapter one, verses 26 and verse 31. And here is what happens on this day. Now, one, if you're new to this, this is kind of interesting because as Christians, we believe in the Trinity, the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. And you're like, that's a New Testament idea. But when you read Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 31, notice the plural words. Notice us and our. That from the very beginning of time in creation, the theology of God, Jesus, and the Spirit being there from the very beginning was present. Notice this. Uh, we, we, we read, Let us make humankind in our image after our likeness. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Look at the person you're sitting beside and say, man, you look very good. See, some of, you, some of you just broke number nine again. You lied. You lied. You already lied this morning. All right. I'm kidding. All right. It says, there was evening and there was morning. If this thing never works out, I can always be a comedian maybe, right? There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, if you turn your page, if you're in your Bible or just scroll up on the app, chapter 2, verse 1, this is what we read. The heavens and the earth were completed. With everything that was in them, by the seventh day God finished the work that he had been doing, and he ceased on the seventh day all the work he had been doing. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he ceased all the work that he had been doing in creation. Day seven, which is Saturday, today is Sunday, it's the first day of the week. On the seventh day, on Saturday, God sets it aside, he appoints it, he makes it holy. Check this out. Before there was a commandment given, before there was an ark, before there was a temple, there was the Sabbath. Second chapter, first verse, through the third verse of your Bible, God picks a certain day and he makes it special. He sets it aside as special. Before anybody's done anything, this one day has been made holy, set apart. 
And what you will see in the scriptures and what you might discover is that God has never unsabbathed the Sabbath. God has never said, okay, I'm going to move that day now to Sunday. It's always been the seventh day, the day where the Lord had completed his work and he rested. I want to give you two observations this morning out of these two parts of scripture, okay? And the first observation is this. This is in your insert if you want to fill this in. Sabbath is for relationship and rest. Sabbath is designed, was created for relationship and rest. Got a little test here. This is open book, all right? It's in the scriptures that I just mentioned. Here's the first question. What day did God create man? Day what? Yeah, day six, right? It's like this if you're looking at me, day six. What day did God bless the Sabbath? Day seven, right? The very next day. But we really don't connect this dot. Think about this. It was God's day seven, but it was Adam's day one. Adam had only been created for one day. And so the idea of Sabbath is not because Adam was wore out. If there was ever a guy who had a lot of energy and had no need for Red Bull, it was Adam. He didn't have a vitamin deficiency. Like he was like completely filled up day one. He was rip snorting ready to go. God, what are we going to do today? What are we going to build? What are we going to create? What are we going to shape? What are we going to get into? And God says, first... We're going to hang out. First, we're going to spend time together. Season is interesting because we see, oh, no, of course, Adam's been going. These No, 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 God's been going. Adam was there for one day. And his first day ready to go, God says, hey, we're going to spend the day together. And we're simply going to rest. Sabbath wasn't given to you because of you're exhausted or because you're depleted. God is setting up a rhythm of expectation of what we do as a people, Right? But we've, we've forgotten this. And we just go, 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 go. One of the things I hear most often in my position as a pastor at New City Church concerning spiritual things like the Bible and reading the Bible and praying, people don't do it because you don't have time. You're too busy. And there's maybe not a know-how. There's maybe a lack of want to. But a lot of times this is that your life is so busy doing other things. Maybe it's just trying to beat the new Mario game, right? But whatever it is, You just don't have time for this. And that's why I want to bring your attention to something that I was just journaling this week as it was speaking to my life. Saturday is the one day of the week where we should never say, I just don't have time to pray. I just don't have time to read God's Word. On Saturday, that's actually all you should have time for. Now, does that mean from the time the sun goes down on Friday to the sun sets on Saturday that your nose is supposed to be in your Bible? Not at all. But there should be ample time for you to open up God's Word and to study and pray. And you shouldn't be able to say, well, man, I couldn't get to it because I was too busy working. No, no, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't have that on Saturday. Now, some of you, I'm already messing with your, I'm messing with your world because you're like, Matt, you know I work on Saturdays, right? And are you, you're, are you telling, I'm not telling you anything. Remember, what I'm asking you to do is you're hearing for the first time what I started hearing two years ago. And I'm just inviting you to maybe, how will you acknowledge? Just like today, whether you acknowledge that game or not, that game is taking place. How might you begin to acknowledge that Sabbath that is coming up on Friday evening? I'm not saying you have to have that all figured out, right? But how do you begin to acknowledge its set-apartness, that it's holiness? Let's turn your insert over. Let's continue on. Observation number two. Observation number two from those scriptures is on the Sabbath we stop working. This is clear. Like you, you're going to be hard-pressed if you're using the Bible as your primary resource to find anywhere in Scripture where God says it's okay for you to work on Saturday. 
You're going to have now. We can talk about what is work and what did he mean, and actually we will talk about that in the coming weeks. But it's clear that he says to stop working. Did you know for the Jewish people at Mount Sinai when they received this that if a Jewish person broke the Sabbath and they worked on the Sabbath that they died, that they were they were to be killed. That's some motivation not to work, right? <laughs> if you if you work, you fold that towel. We're going to kill you. Can't do laundry, hun. Sorry, right? <laughs> I'm going to uh, share a quote with you uh, from a book called Restoration by a guy named D.T. Lancaster. He says this. He says, For six days we strive. For six days we try hard. For six days life is about our works and deeds. Six days you shall labor and do all your work to support yourself and your family. For six days we strive to impose our wills onto creation. Shaping, creating, forming, making, ordering, structuring, organizing, mixing and molding, producing results. But on the seventh day we stop. By stopping for a day, we acknowledge God. By keeping the Sabbath, I acknowledge that it is not by my own hand, nor by my own power, but by His hand and power that I am sustained. The Sabbath forces me to acknowledge that I am not the creator, the maker, or the shaper. I am not God. I cannot provide for myself through my own effort. He is the one who provides for me. That's what we do. We stop. Now, what's the biblical mandate? That's a nice quote from a guy in a book. But what does the Bible say? Well, Exodus chapter 20 is where God gives the Ten Commandments. Now, this might be a new learning for some of you. I found this so interesting because when we think of the Ten Commandments, many of us, if you're kind of my age or older, you think of Charlton Heston coming down with two big tablets, right? And we say Charlton Heston is going to give us, Moses is going to give us the Ten Commandments. But when you read Exodus 20, you, what you will see is that God is giving the Ten Commandments. The people hear God's voice give the Ten. Now Moses is going to come down with the written form, but the, the Israelites at the base of Sinai, they hear Moses give these Ten Commandments, and it scares the snot out of them. They're so afraid that later they say to Moses, from now on, you talk to God and then you talk to us because God scares us a lot. But they heard it with their own ears, what God said. The fourth one found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. This is what the people heard God say. He said, remember the Sabbath day to set it apart as holy. Now, they had already been doing this. If you read kind of the account, and I don't know how they knew this, if it was through oral uh, tradition or whatever, but if you read, like uh, Charlie reminded me of this, is that when they're in the desert for 40 years through this time, they, they, didn't, they didn't gather food on Saturday. They gathered enough on Friday to make it through. But, so here's what God says. Remember the Sabbath day to, to set it apart as holy. For six days you may labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall uh, not do any work, you or your son, or your daughter, or your male servant, or your female servant, or your cattle, or the resident foreigner who is in your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day, and set it apart as holy. Matt, are you really saying that you don't expect me to work on Saturday? I'm just reading you what God said. And I'm inviting you to start your journey. That's all I'm asking. How do you acknowledge the fourth commandment? And that's kind of the question that I'm going to kind of, kind of leave you with. And I'm going to begin to kind of give you some application. So here's the question. It's in bold. How will you start acknowledging Saturday on this Sabbath? It's a very personal question. Like, what are you going to do? Like, if you don't do anything, right, does that have any implications on you? I want to share with you another quote from Restoration. Because uh, the Jewish people, 
right? If you're in here and you're a Jew, then there are certain implications or Sabbath on you that us Gentiles, those of us who are not Jewish, that we don't fall under. And so for those of us who are not Jewish, we're Gentile, what does this Sabbath, what, what is its implications in our life? Like, man, are you telling me that I'm going to die too? No, I'm not saying that at all. Let's look at this, uh, what uh, Lancaster writes about this for us. He says the Torah, the Torah is the first five books of the Old Testament. The Torah does not require Gentiles to observe the Sabbath. Gentiles who do observe the Sabbath celebrate the Sabbath and observe some of its prohibitions because they want to. See, we don't have to, we get to. You don't have to, you get to. Jews ought to, Jews have to, we get to. Not because they are required, right? The prophet Isaiah tells us that in the end times, non-Jews who keep the Sabbath day will, will be given a place in God's holy temple. And he quotes from Isaiah, I believe it's 56. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to Him and to love the name of the Lord, to be His servants. Everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make joyful in my house of prayer. What does it look like for us Gentiles who aren't bound by all of the regulations that God put on the Jewish people? How do you engage this Sabbath day that's coming this Friday evening through Saturday evening? Like, what do you do? Do you acknowledge it or do you simply ignore it? Do you take a day of rest in a relationship with God or do you simply carry on with your normal mode of operations? Now, I like sometimes... I. I the, I kind of, my heart gets grabbed by emotional stories, Logi- and, but some of you, you're a little opposite, like you like the logic, kind of the, you're more the factual stuff, and so I, I thought I would give an illustration, because sometimes we go, Matt, this whole talk is not for us, like that doesn't apply to us, that applies to Jewish people, or it's an old idea, and it no longer works, and I would, I want to just kind of apply a, an, Im- an illustration to you, and see if it connects at all, because um, that's that's the only Commandment number four is the only one that we apply that rule to. So just play along with me here, okay? I'm not going to do any of these things, but so don't like say, my, my pastor said this. Okay, but pretend. What if next week I stood up here as one of your pastors and said, guys, I think there's more than one God. And so I'm going to start talking for the next six weeks about a different God that we're going to worship. You're going to quit attending here. And probably our elders are going to ask for me to resign, right? Because that would be really odd and weird. Or if I sit down next week, a big idol, plump, here on this table, and I said, now listen, uh, before worship starts, I, I was thinking what God would look like, and so he really doesn't look like Charlie. Here's what he looks like. And so, boom. And so as Curtis and the band plays, I want you guys to worship this idol. And then when I teach, we're going to worship. You guys would think I had lost my mind. And you would not come here anymore and you would say, dude, this guy is off of his rocker. Or what if I started taking God's name in vain? Like what if I started in my messages just dropping GD, right? Now, by the way, there's other ways to take God's name in vain, right? We think of it's cursing, but actually it's when you misrepresent God. So it's kind of like when you say you're a Christian and you act like you're the devil, that, that you're, you're taking the Lord's name in vain, just so you know, okay. So, but if I started just dropping bad, you know, language that it, it's an automatic big time trouble in my house. So if they say that, right? Um, if I started using that language in my message, you guys are going to be, oh man, stop! I don't like that word, and you're going to quit attending here, right? Let's skip number four. Let's go to number five. If I was just up here and I was just bashing my mom and dad, and I was talking what a bunch of jerks they are, right? And my illustrations were, my, I did a, a message on bad parenting, and I used my parents as an examples, right? Right? 
Now listen, you may not have had a good mom and dad, but there's not a qualifier on the commandment of honor thy parents, right? And so, no, you, you guys would say, Matt, that's not right. You shouldn't talk about your parents in that way. What about um, murder? I'm pretty sure if I was out killing people, somebody's going to come put their arm around me and say, hey, bro, you should really cut that out, right? You should, you should ease up on the murder, man. Ease up, right? What about uh, adultery? If I was uh, clearly having an affair, uh, sleeping with someone that's not my wife, that's going to be a problem, right? Like that, Nobody's going to be like, well, you know, he's a guy. No, no. Somebody, I'm going to lose the, one of the things that I love the most, this ministry. And just by the way, as people who call New City home and you love this place, if you ever see me talking to a female that's not my wife, Jen, and you think I'm talking to someone too long, you feel free to come up and interrupt that conversation. You protect my family. I give you permission to do that, okay? Because, see, we grew up, I grew up in that no fear mentality where, you know, you have that, those shirts, no fear. But, man, I have a really healthy fear. I have this healthy th- fear of a judge one day telling me when I can or could not see my little buddy Luke. And that scares the snot out of me. Or somebody telling me when I can see my precious little twin girls, Allie and Christy, or when I can. Or that, that scares me to death. And so, like, if you, like, you got permission to say, hey, Matt, interrupt me, right? Because, man, my family in this ministry, I value them with a lot of love. But if I was committing adultery, and you guys said, Matt, stop it. What about the next one? Stealing. What if someone said, hey, Matt, where'd you get this iPad? I love it. It's really cool. Where'd you buy it? I said, oh, I didn't buy it. I was coming into church last week, and somebody had their window rolled down in their car, and it was sitting there. And I thought, hey, hey, looky here. And I, they didn't, if they didn't want it, they wouldn't have left it there, right? And I take it, and they didn't have a pass lock. I'm using it. And I'm like, God, God must have blessed me, right? You want to be like, dude, seriously, you need to return that. That's not right. And you're going to like not leave your stuff sitting out on the aisles anymore because your pastor would steal things, right? You wouldn't. What about uh, uh, a line? Oh, no, I was stealing real quick. Let me just kind of poke it. Now, we don't do that, but we'll, we'll take music and movies. Okay, anyway, we'll move on. All right, so, oh, don't be talking about my downloading stuff. I know I won't. We'll do that, save that for another time to make you feel guilty. All right, uh, what about lying? What if I was just clearly lying about things? What if I was just, li- just I'm a, I was just lying, and you knew I was lying, all right? Like if I sit here and just talk about how the Chiefs are going to win today. Man, they're not in. Oh, no, they did. They changed the rules. They let them in. Like, and just lying. And I was like, not kidding. I was being serious. Like, you're like, you can't do that. You can't stand up and lie. Uh, what about covet? Like, what if I'm like, man, I really like Curtis's guitar, right? And I like it so much that I don't want Curtis to have it. I want to have it. Because that's what coveting is. It's not that you want it. It's that you want it and you don't want them to have it right? If I did any of those things, somebody's going to say, listen, man, that's not right. You shouldn't behave that way. But nobody's going to bat an eye and come up to me and say, hey, man, you worked on Saturday and I don't really know if that's a good, I don't know if that's a good look. No one's ever in my life said, hey, you know what? You got six days to get it done. You got six days. This seventh day, man, God says to set it apart. See, logically, the other nine, you would not be okay if I was actively doing those things. But yet we don't really care about number four. And all I'm asking is, maybe we should start caring. And maybe we should start acknowledging the Sabbath. God did from the very get-go. So the journey starts, right? At the pace you walk is up to you, right? What you do is kind of up to you. Here's what we're going to do over the next several weeks. Next week, we're going to talk about rhythm, the rhythm of Sabbath. And actually, what does it look like to have a weekly Sabbath? And you're going to hear stories from Kathy Carr in the coming weeks. You're going to hear my wife's story as she kind of began uh, implementing this into our family and the challenges that she faced. In week three, we're going to talk about how do you feel the Sabbath? Like, are we allowed to move? Like, what, what can we do, right? But we're going to talk about what do we actually do on our Sabbath day. 
And then on the last week, we're going to talk about our work relationship with the Sabbath, right? Man, God set up where Adam, day one, rested, and then he worked from his rest. And so how do we come home at night from your job and not fall on the bed exhausted, but change our thinking to say, I'm going to bed tonight in preparation for what you have for me tomorrow. That's going to be our journey for the next several weeks. I hope you walk with me, right? I hope you will come alongside of me. Uh, posture is important to me, right? When I was a kid, and even now as an adult, my, my granny Esther, uh, she was always on my case about my posture. Because when I don't think about it, man, I'm slouched over, shoulders forward, humped back, you know, and I have, I have bad posture. And so I have to always be thinking, man, stand up straight, shoulders back, pay, you know, m- makes me skinnier, right? And so what is your posture? Is your posture towards this, no way, not going to do it, ain't going to do it? I can't help that. But if your posture is, you know what, I don't understand this fully, this is going to be a challenge, but man, I'm going to step into it, then I invite you to walk with me on this. Look at with me, um, John chapter 5, verse 19. Look what Jesus said. He said, I tell you the solemn truth. The son can do nothing on his own initiative, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. Could this be a way for you not to be so tired. And it's something that God has set up forever ago. And maybe for the first time today, you'd go, what? And how do we begin to inch our life to where we get underneath something that God set up as holy from the very beginning? It's just a question, right? On how we step into that and how we press into that. Now, here's how I'm going to close this, and then we're going to have a time of giving generously back to God. The bottom of your insert, I wrote out like a prayer slash blessing for you. I want you to read it first. It starts out with, may we take. I want you to read that first. And then I want you to decide just in your heart if that's something that you can receive. And then I'm going to read it over you. Let me pray this blessing over you this morning. May we take the necessary steps to be as much in the image of God as we can. May we ask our Father to lead us as we align our lives to His ways. And may our Father replenish us as we acknowledge Him. Amen. So this week, just take steps. Take a step. And let's see how we might acknowledge better the rest of God.